Hello and welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Monday, February 8th. 2021. At the end of the show, we'll have a political analyst with us to break down the shocking news from the ICC or the International Criminal Court. He'll explain everything clearly and easily so that you won't be left confused. And of course, we'll find out how this new ruling from the International Court is going to impact Israel. We're going to talk also a little bit about Netanyahu's court case which had its second hearing today. Now, let's get to the news. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and the Biden administration plan to rejoin the United Nations Human Rights Council, which the Trump administration withdrew from in 2018. Pro-Israel advocates have frequently described the UNHRC as being unfairly biased claiming that the council disproportionately condemns Israel while failing to hold other nations accountable. We're going to talk about that much later in the show, and we have facts and figures there to show what's what. Now, after nearly three years of disengagement, the U.S. will rejoin the council, beginning as a non-voting observer, but with the hopes to regain voting status after 2021. This move will likely anger many of Israel's leaders, Prime Minister Netanyahu has praised former President Trump for his withdrawal from the council in 2018, describing the move as courageous. President Biden and Secretary Blinken clearly have different views about how to engage with the UNHRC. Blinken, a Jewish man, and Biden both have declared themselves supporters of Israel throughout their political careers. According to the Biden administration, the council has the potential to help fight against authoritarianism and the U.S. should be a part of it in order to help reform it, as opposed to not being involved at all. A new medicine developed at Ikhlov Medical Center in Tel Aviv shows early results of being very effective in helping cure patients with moderate to severe cases of COVID-19. The drug, called EXO, CD24 was given to 30 patients who were hospitalized with COVID. 29 of them recovered in five days or less. The drug is still in preliminary testing, but results so far give medical professionals hope that Israel has found a cure to COVID. And more good news on the virus front. Today, Monday, a paper was published and the data used for it comes out of Israel's biggest COVID-19 testing lab. Researchers say the Pfizer vaccine significantly reduced the transmissibility of coronavirus. It's arguably the world's biggest problem right now, which is transmitting COVID from one to another. The report shares that patients who were older than 60 years old were 60% less likely to transmit the virus than patients between 40 and 59 years old. That's because Israel's 60 and up population have pretty much all been vaccinated with at least one dose of the vaccine since the vaccination campaign has opened. Do you like the show? Do you want to support it so that it can continue to come out daily? Well, 
If so, you can send over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm backslash Israel Daily News backslash support. We have one central link in the show notes, which you can click on, and that will take you to the page where you can put in your credit card details and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism and journalism that gets you informed in a clear and easy way. You can also follow us on social media at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. That's Shanafold, S-H-A-N-N-A-F-U-L-D. I've got two ends in my name, and if you've been listening, you'll know I'm very sensitive about that. A 16-year-old Haredi, or Orthodox, young man has been charged with committing multiple violent crimes during a series of riots in B'nai Brak in January. B'nai Brak is a suburb outside of Tel Aviv, more like, more like a city outside of Tel Aviv. The teenager was part of a mob that set a bus on fire after removing and physically assaulting the driver. This was one of many violent acts that took place in B'nai Brak and all across Israel as ultra-Orthodox citizens have retaliated against COVID-19 restrictions. Holocaust survivor Shoshana Ovitz, a Jewish woman with nearly 400 descendants, passed away on Sunday at age 105. Ovitz survived Auschwitz after her parents were killed and she then moved to Haifa after living in Austria for some years. She got famous after a photo of her went viral on the internet showing her and her massive family celebrating her 104th birthday at the Western Wall. That was in 2019. It's the second day of Netanyahu's trial, but it's been many months since the first. The trial kicked off in May, and today he appeared again, this time for around 20-plus minutes. The prime minister has been indicted for bribery and breach of trust with allegations suggesting he has accepted expensive gifts, which were bribes, as well as pushed the media to shine a nice light on him in the news. Several outlets are facing legal suits over this. The trial has been delayed multiple times due to lockdowns, and candidates that are up for prime minister, as well as the state's attorney general, have questioned if Prime Minister Netanyahu can act his or her best in office while managing a court case this large. Well, that hasn't been decided. However, Netanyahu did come into the Jerusalem District Court this morning, formally denied the allegations, and then, after getting permission from the judges to leave, he stood up, thanked the bench, thanked the court, and left. In the past, Netanyahu has made statements on his way to the courthouse or after court, This time, he's been silent. And finally, before we get to our political analyst this Monday, I have to give you the briefing on the crazy news that came out this weekend. So we're going to talk about it, but I just want to give you the facts. You may have seen the internet exploding about this, and we know that you've been waiting to get the scoop and the easy-peasy breakdown from the Israel Daily News podcast. So here it is. The International Criminal Court which is strongly connected to the United Nations, has declared that though Israel is not a member of this international court, the court does have jurisdiction over the area and will need to investigate alleged war crimes committed between Israel and the Palestinian territories. The claims suggest Israel acted with too much force against Gaza during the 2014 war and that its continued settlement activity in the West Bank and East Jerusalem is unlawful. 
It also holds Israel responsible for its response to protesters at the border fence in 2018, at the border fence of Gaza, that is, after former President Trump announced that Jerusalem would be the capital of Israel and decided to move the embassy out of Tel Aviv and into Jerusalem as a display of that. However, the court also plans to hold Palestinians accountable for torturing Israelis in the West Bank, attacking private Israeli civilians, and suggesting Gaza's ruling force, Hamas, could be held accountable for firing thousands of rockets at uncalled-for times into civilian parts of Israel, as well as using its own people, the Palestinian people, as human shields. With us to explain why this matters and what we can expect next is political analyst and commentator Juan Antonio Caldes Rodriguez. He hails from Spain, but has lived all around the world, including Boston in the United States, where he studied political science and finance as well as in Scotland, where he is finishing up a law degree at the University of Edinburgh. He also became familiar with the area in conflict since he spent a year living and studying politics in Israel. Thank you, Juan. We, Juan, we were originally planning to talk about Bibi Netanyahu and his court appearance today, but some major news came in on Friday, and we had to totally flip the switch, flip the script. So why don't you get started? Tell us, what is your reaction to this news? Well, first of all, Shana, thank you very much for having me here today. It's an honor. Um, so my reaction, so I'm not, I'm actually quite not surprised at all with what has happened and we witnessed this weekend because the Attorney General, Mrs. Fatou Ben Souda, she has been, um, she has had her eye on, on Israel for a long time um, since she was, since she's been on, on this position for some time. And I'm, the only thing that I'm quite surprised to be honest with you, is the language that was used on the original text by the judges who openly stated this weekend that the court's territorial jurisdiction extended to the territories occupied by Israel since 1967. So in fact, by saying that, they're saying that Israel is it's, it's occupying those, those territories. And the only concern that I have with that is that it's more political than a judicial statement coming from a court. Um, other than that, I think that the main objection that I would have with what's going on is the ICC's mandate is to prosecute people and not states. And this is more targeted towards the Jewish and the only, the, the only Jewish state, which is Israel. And it's directly targeted to, to them, not just directly to people. Um, so we just have to, to wait and see how things develop. But, and we'll see how this will take many, many years for sure. Okay, well, I'm glad that you ended on that note because this has been some years in the making. Do you know how many years that this has sort of been stewing and brewing underneath the surface? So Mrs. Bensuda, she actually started to have her eye on Israel for the past two years, more or less, since 2018-2019, uh, when she officially said that she thought that there were... Um, so here's proof to like condemn Israel for, for war crimes, and not only Israel, but also Hamas, which is important to say because many people are saying that it's just Israel, the state of Israel, but it's also important to say that um, it's also for Hamas, and the Palestinian Authority in that sense is very happy, obviously, because they're seeing how they, their two enemies, basically, are going to suffer from that, and they may benefit. Um, so around two years, more or less, I would say, since she was okay. appointed the Attorney General. 
Very interesting. And she's also going to be handing over her seat to the next person that comes in and takes it. So that's going to be happening. So we'll have to see what the next judge decides to do with this. But in the meantime, it's alive and it's well, it's on the table. And it's also very interesting that you mentioned that the Palestinian Authority will actually benefit from this case being that Hamas is being considered the culprit. So it's kind of maybe a relief for them to have an outside objective, or, or so it's supposed to be objective, uh, figure saying that Hamas needs to be held accountable. So that's sort of something that we haven't really heard on the international stage before. So that's very interesting. Now, what would you say is going to be the real implication for Israel following this news? Yes, so first of all, it's important that people know that Israel has not signed the international treaty known as the Rome Statute, which, which um, the Palestinian Authority did many years ago. And they claim, obviously, that the ICC, in this regard, they do not have any jurisdiction over them. It's a legitimate claim on Israel's behalf, as any other country that doesn't adhere to, to, to a statute. So that's completely legitimate, first of all. Um, second of all, this will take a very long time before the investigations turn into formal indictments against specific individuals, because as I said before, this is not against the state of Israel per se, it's more against certain people. And we'll have to see against who I'm assuming will be against people, obviously in the IDF. In that sense, Mr. Gantz was the head of the IDF many years ago with, with the war in Gaza seven years ago, if I'm not mistaken. But the former ICC chief prosecutor said this, this past morning, actually, that the investigation could take up to two years, at least, just investigation before there is any formal indictment. So people need to know that this is not going to take two, three weeks or a couple of months. It will take many, many years, for sure. Um, yes. well, I want to just stop you right there. Does that mean that there hasn't been any investigating prior to this moment? Because it seems with the claims that come out, that there would be some research and investigation preliminarily completed? Or is, is that the case? Or do you believe that it just took two years just to even be able to make the claim? And how does research play in? So basically, the attorney general two years ago, she submitted a file saying that she thought there was enough evidence to find that Israel was guilty of, war, of committing crime wars. But that's what she said two years ago. That's what she released. And what we did see this past weekend is that the panel of the ICC is composed by three judges. One of those three judges, two of them said that there were, based on the Attorney General's petition, there were enough evidence found to, to prosecute, possibly, um, not Israel, but some of the members of, of the country of Israel, in this case, the IDF. And there was one judge that dissented. So basically what has happened now is that the judges have basically given their, the green light for this to go on. Whereas before it was just merely and not even an investigation. It was just the attorney general saying that she had enough evidence against the state of Israel. Whereas now we have two judges out of three judges that are sitting on the panel saying that there's enough evidence uh, for this to go on. Okay. Um, well, Thank you for explaining that to us, because for me, from a journalistic standpoint, when I hear you say that we're going to expect another two years of investigations, I'm thinking to myself, hasn't that 
been done already? Don't they have, you know, but the judicial process really takes so long. And I suppose that you need to have certain things in place, certain judges to make certain decisions before you even can proceed with those investigations. So thanks for explaining that. Now, um, why is this happening now? And why is the ICC not condemning other regimes that are doing heinous war crimes to their own people? For example, a civil war that's happening in Syria, North Korea, Venezuela, there are war crimes that are happening all throughout the world. But from what I always say, the Israel-Palestinian conflict is trendy. And it is a trendy thing to talk about and people want to jump on the bandwagon and not to delegitimize the claims here, but why is this coming out and there aren't other investigations similar to this one being targeted to other uh, tough regimes around the globe? That is indeed the big question that everyone, including myself, is asking. Why just against the state of Israel and not all of these authoritarian, totalitarian regimes? Why not China, for example, with the Uyghur population that it is in re-education camps, as China says, which in other words, they're basically concentration camps. And we have been seeing many images, especially in this past year, of people being put in place into these concentration camps. And this should remind us of something, something that happened only 80 years ago. Absolutely. Why? We covered that on this show, by the way. We covered that multiple times on this show because it really is a big thing that needs more attention immediately. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Completely. And later, another case that I would like to talk about is Myanmar. What about the Rohingya population, the Muslim population that they have? in which according to the UN, around 700,000 people, 700,000, close to 1 million people, have had to flee the country due to the discriminatory laws, including one of them such as exclusionary citizenship laws. What about that? And I could go on and on with many other dictatorships around the globe and how they have no respect at all for the minorities and under human rights, whereas in the state of Israel, 20% of the population is, is Muslim. And they have the same equal rights as any other one. As Netanyahu said the other day, I think the ICC has become a political institution more and more rather than a judicial one, which is just very sad, especially as someone that studies laws to see that. And I would like to draw the parallelism with the UN because there's something, as you said before, the ICC indeed has a lot of connections with, um, with the UN. And I would like to say that the UN has condemned Israel 17 times in this past year, in this 2020, versus six times for the rest of the world combined. Also, the UNHRC, which is the Human Rights Council, condemnations for 2006, between 2006 and 2021, for these past 15 years, guess what? Israel, 90, 90 times has been condemned. Russia, zero. Venezuela, two. Pakistan, zero. Qatar, zero. China, zero. I could go on and on, but do you see this parallelism? Is it me or is everyone else saying that Israel is more condemned than any other state around the globe. Why is that? That is really, really shocking. Those numbers are very shocking to hear. I mean, we, I've heard the numbers before, but when you put it, when you go from 90 to zero, especially zero in Russia, um, when journalists have been thrown off the roof in, in Russia for speaking out, for writing the truth when people are uh, speaking out in Russia and they're they're taken 
in the middle of the night, never to be seen again. The leader of the opposition with Navalny, as we did see that as soon as he landed in Russia, he was in jail and now he's, it's, he's officially in jail along with his wife and he's going to be there for two, three years. We have no idea. Just because he, he just wanted to basically use his freedom of expression and say, hey, we do have a problem here in Russia. This is not a democracy as Mr. Putin is presenting it. And just for saying that out loud, he's being thrown out to jail. And no one, no one is saying about that. Where's the UN in all of this? Where's the ICC in all of this? So I definitely think that this is something to consider. And if you are not comfortable with calling it anti-Semitism, then that's quite all right, because I understand the implications of that. But when you are looking at a situation like this, you're seeing all of the condemnations against the only Jewish state in the whole world and zero condemnations in, in a country um, that is on in the international headlines every week for its civil rights issues. Um, it's really hard not to call it that, but you know, that's not for us to decide. So today we're actually, what, what we really came to the table for initially and the way that we got introduced was to talk about Bibi Netanyahu's trial. Now today is his second appearance um, in court for breach of trust, bribery. He has been accused of taking very large gifts. Uh, we're talking about fine wines. We're talking about cigars, whatever those are. And people have said that it was a form of bribery. In addition to that, there have been a lot of Israeli news outlets that are under fire for uh, coordinating, working with the prime minister to provide um, coverage that would put him in a better light than what was maybe actually deserved. So let's just really briefly get back to there. Uh, what's the news that, um, what's the news there and what should we expect moving forward in his trial? So first of all, it's important to say that today he has officially confirmed, according to, to, to his lawyers verbally, that he denies obviously the corruption charges as he was expected. And he has asked the court for three to four month delay to the start of the obedience stage. Why is that? There's elections around the corner, as we all know, in a month and a half. And obviously he doesn't want to be seen sitting in front of, of a panel of three judges because this is exposing his image even more. Um, we'll have to see what happens with that because the court decides, as always. So Bibi is facing charges of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust, which are quite serious things. And he could face a total of 10 years in prison as a maximum penalty, which is quite a lot. Um, the three cases, just in a very brief and concise way, the three cases are case 1,000, 2,000, and 4,000. In the case 1,000, as you have said, he has been involved in what the attorney general has seen, Bibi illicitly accepting expensive gifts from his friends with some around 1 million shekels. For those that may not know shekels, like between two and three hundred thousand dollars more or less which is quite a lot of money later case 2000 which is a little bit more serious in which Bibi is accused of attempting to reach a quid pro quo with Aaron Motzes who is the idiot not published paper in which he pursued to get more positive media coverage in exchange for legislating in the Knesset to weaken the rival Israel Hayom and the most serious case is this case 4000 in which it is alleged, again, that Bibi granted regulatory favors to his friend Shaul Elovich, 
controlling shareholder of Betsec Telecom in exchange for, once again, more positive coverage for him, not only for him, but also for his family in the Wallanute side. Um, we can expect this to take many years. Same with the ICC thing that we just talked about. This is going to take many years. And there's a precedent in which, for those that may not know, Ehud Almert was former prime minister in the case in which he was indicted in 2009 and was convicted in 2015 and did start serving his sentence in 2016. So it was a total of seven years. So I don't expect this to, to, to go on just for a couple of months or, or a couple of years. It will take many more. And by that time, uh, maybe Mr. Netanyahu will still be the prime minister of Israel. Well, thank you for unpacking all of that. You have done it in such a concise way. You explained it. Tachlis, as I said, like I wanted to call today Tachlis politics, which means direct, straight to the point. And, um, you know, only the commentary that gets you better informed. And so, Juan, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. We appreciate somebody breaking it down, giving us the truth, and uh, being also able to take a look at things with perspective to what else is going on in the world, especially in terms of the International Criminal Court. Don't forget, it is the International Criminal Court, meaning that they need to take a look at everybody. So thank you so much for zeroing in here on Israel and being with us. Thank you so much for everything, Shana. Have a good one. You as well. All right. Well, that is it for today's news. Today is Monday, February 8th, 2021. Tel Aviv has a low of 14 degrees Celsius and a high of 25 degrees. That's 58 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 77 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It comes out on Monday mornings, so you'll have to be patient to get it next week. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. You'll also get the Cliff Notes version of our original stories, investigations, and interviews. You can sign up by using the link in the show notes. Thank you to Benny Forstad for your contributions to the research and writing of today's show. I'll send you off today with a new song called Flying High by Erica Kral. She's a talented Israeli DJ. I hope you all fly high this week. Have a great and productive day. Bye.